growing up always like building Legos with a friend <laughs> and like I built designs that were like they weren't the coolest looking thing, but they were functional. And he would always be like, oh, it doesn't look aerodynamic. I got to change this. And he would always change my What things. a metaphor for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you like internal consistency? <laughs> and your friend prefers <laughs> dazzling. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 542 with a review of the Lego Movie 2 colon the second part i'm christopher schnazy and i'm stephen miller and if you're joining us for the first time the spoiler warning podcast is a weekly film review program each week in the show we're going to dive in debate discuss and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you um this week we're going to be talking about the second film in the lego i mean the second canonical sequel type film for one of the films that's in the lego universe for me it is the second film in the lego universe okay cool um I, I saw the the Batman spinoff, um, but this is this is the continuation of the story from the Lego movie. Um, so we're talking about that. Stephen Miller, um, to start us off, should we just talk about our history with the Lego film franchise and just what we thought about it so far? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so as previously referenced, I've only seen the first Lego movie. Um, and we were actually talking about Phil Lord and Chris Miller recently in the context of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. They're just killing the colon game <laughs> <laughs> this year. Uh, but yeah, so when I went into the Lego movie, I wasn't really familiar with any of their work before. Not Cloudy um, with a Chance of Meatballs? I had never seen Cloudy okay. with a Chance of Meatballs. And there's something about the the pace of their comedy that is kind of unlike anyone else in Hollywood, at least as far as I can tell. The jokes come... I don't even know what a good estimate, like, a joke a minute would be way too slow. It, it's like 400 jokes a minute, it feels yeah. like. There are so many gags in every scene. And the Lego movie was just a very frenetically playful, funny world where it took me maybe like 20 or 30 minutes to really, like, key into the pace that the movie was going at. Yeah. And then I loved it, but it, t- it took me so long. At first, I was like, oh, my God, is the whole movie going to be this high energy? <laughs> I haven't been this high energy in, like, years. Yeah. Um, but any, anyway, I loved it. Like, the Lego movie was great. I, I thought the the visual design was really incredible. I think the way it balanced fun and humor with, like, reference-heavy heavy jokes with heart and emotion, it just had a little bit of everything. Like, it was unabashedly silly. It's having fun being fun. It's digging on things on purpose. And, it, like, you're just having a great time with them. You feel like you are playing with a Lego and you're bringing in all of your cultural knowledge to and being yeah. like, oh, bam, 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 now Batman's going to do this. And it, <laughs> it, it it just does a really, really good job. Is that I the think. way you sound while you're playing with your toys? Oh, sure, all the time. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just think it does a really, really good job of balancing all of those things and being like goofy in the most like shamelessly fun way possible. And yeah, I I loved it. I For whatever reason, by the time the Batman Lego movie came out, I was like, I don't know if I need to see a Batman Lego movie. You know, they yeah. they pulled the trick once. I don't want to watch them take it too far. Um, but when a legitimate sequel came out, then I knew I had to give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I also love the first Lego movie. Um, I, I think that, like, everything you said, I, I echo. I mean, the, it was so creative on so many different levels. Just the the... Just alone, the way they presented the film. I mean, because the idea of a Lego film was 
a film that didn't deserve to be as good as it was, yeah, right? Nobody like, wanted it to be good at first. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, I grew up playing with Legos, and I love to build Legos, and I never did what the set was. I always built my own things, and I spent a lot of time when I was young playing with Legos, and it was, like, a thing that I loved to do and had a lot of fun with. And I think that this film was able to capture some of the magic of playing with Legos, plus present the universe where it wasn't just like you were watching a film that happened to be Lego characters. It was like, this is like Lego. Like, it gets it. It, it, it looks visually perfect. Like, it looks like it's not a CG film, that it looks like it's actually made with Legos and painstakingly built. And I think it was just, it was the designs of the world were very, very, very creative. The um, humor of the story was really, really great. And I just... It was, it was a really fun film, and then by the time you get to the end of it, there's just like that wallop of like a really strong, heartfelt kind of like, it's almost like a different film at, like yeah. right, at, right at the end, but it's not that it, it suddenly veers into some other territory, it's that it pays off everything you've been watching at that moment, and we're just really, really... It, it just it went from being like a really fun, amazing film to being like an actually legitimate good film yeah. <laughs> like by, at the end of it, and um, I really, really love that. The Batman, Batman film... It's it's a spinoff in all of the senses. I mean, it's it's not it's almost not canonically in this world. It exists as a Batman story that happens to be done with Legos, and it sort of abandons this idea. Is, that is there a love interest involved? There is a love interest okay. involved. <laughs> um, but uh, it's well, there's there's sort of a love interest, but there was a reference in this movie that I was assuming is about that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's well, there there is, there is sort of a love interest, but there's also a uh, parental interest that comes about in that film. Mm. <laughs> um, but. Uh, but yeah, the, the, I had some fun with the Lego Batman film, but it wasn't really something that stood out as being as special <laughs> as as what the Lego film was. Um, coming into this film, I was a little bit scared, I'll be honest. Um, that first trailer seemed like it was going to be fun, but it also seemed like it was like just trying to play around in the universe and wasn't necessarily going to live up to what the first film did. Um, but uh, we'll get to all that sort of questioning in just a moment, I think. Now, what, one more question about the Lego universe. Is it my imagination or were there a ton of kind of shitty spin-off video games before the Lego movie? I mean, like where it was a, it would be a property and then they would make the Lego version of that property. And the only thing they did is like made them look like Lego people. So, so yeah, so the, the Lego video game franchise has existed. There's, like, Lego Marvel, Lego Harry Potter, Lego, Lego a bunch of things. And th those games are actually legitimately cool. Like, mm, okay. um, they're the type of thing where, like, if I had kids, I would play with them, and I, I would enjoy playing this video game, and they'd probably enjoy it, too. They're basically, like, hack-and-slash games where you run around and break things into pieces that you collect, and you can mm. do stuff with it. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time playing with them, but I have, like, downloaded demos and played on them. I think that people have a kind of a fondness for those video games, but they're unrelated to this universe. They're just um, capitalizing on those other IP IPs, but they, they generally go through the whole story arcs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, some of the Harry Potter games are like years one through five or whatever, right? <laughs> but are, are they tactile in the way the movies are? Like, are they playing with the fact that they're Lego characters? They are, yeah, yeah. So, like, when you when you shoot an enemy, like, if you're doing Lego Star Wars and you shoot, like, the droids, they break apart into the little mm. pieces. Um, so, it's it definitely is playing with the fact that it's it's not just Lego characters in a, in a level. It's the level is built out of Legos, and it's cool. Mm. But anyways. Well... Glad we chose to review a non-problematic movie this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Don't search headlines for Chris Pratt this week. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, so we're going to talk about the Lego film. What do you say, Stephen? We take a listen to the trailer for the Lego movie two, colon, the second part, and then come back and give a review. I can't colon wait. <laughs> Once, everything was awesome. Now, everything is bleak. Hey, Lucy. I brought you coffee. Coffee. The bitter liquid that provides the only semblance of pleasure left in these dark times. Oh my goshness, did I interrupt you brooding just now? Times have changed. You need to change with them. We have to be tough and battle ready. Look, a shooting star, make a wish. <gasps> oh no. Run! Hurry, the door is slowly closing. the pain. It's getting so cold. Emmett, what are you doing? Hooray! See, that wasn't so bad. Nothing got in. Ah, something got in. I'm General Mayhem. Bring me your fiercest leader. Lucy! Emmett! This is all my fault. Hang on to your fronts, Planny. We're going to save Lucy. If I save your life, not at all. Who are you? The name's Rex Danger Vest, galaxy defending archaeologist, cowboy, and raptor trainer. <laughs> I don't get it. Will you help me rescue my friends? You don't want to go anywhere near the Sistar system. It's ruled by an alien queen. Only the toughest are gonna get out of there alive. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> yes, you are. I'm a queen, whatever I would not be. I'm getting super evil vibes here. I could change my form to something else if this makes you more comfortable. Hey, guys. No, go back. The horse was much more palatable. I got a play phone and a play phone. I got to get it, baby. It no, it did not. A1, hit him with the A1 song. Since J1, not the A1 side. Lucy! Emmett, did you draw stubble dots on your face? What? No. <laughs> Are you? I'm your worst nightmare. You're me when I'm late to school and I forgot my homework and my pants are made of pudding? No, I don't. Ha! All right, so that was the trailer for the Lego Movie 2 colon the second part. And uh, basically, it, it technically starts the moment the last film ended and then does a, f a jump forward about five years. And uh, everything is no longer awesome. Um, the world is a wasteland because um, the creatures from the planet Duplo have been <laughs> wreaking havoc. And now everything is like super Mad Maxi. Everything is crazy. Um, but our, our hero, Emmett, is still happy-go-lucky, still listening to his Everything is Awesome remixes and sort of having a good time until one day a space invader shows up and uh, captures a bunch of his friends. And he has to go off and try to rescue them um, and uh, hope that this vision that he's had of a thing called Armageddon uh, will not come to pass and wreak havoc on the Lego universe. Mm -hmm. Stephen Miller, what did you think of the Lego Movie 2, colon, <laughs> the second part? So I mentioned that with the original Lego Movie, it took me maybe like a half hour to get on the wavelength of the creators. And I feel like for that reason, it was almost better to watch a sequel because like five seconds into this movie, I was immediately back on their wavelength. And yeah. I, I had a great time. I thought this was like an incredibly fun movie. I think they take the the visual 
technical achievement of the original and still find new interesting things to do with it. Like, I, I think it is just as visually dazzling as the first movie. I think the, like many sequels, the plot is a little bit more driven by like an all-star cast doing recurring gags than it is with purely original material. But I think there is so much new stuff that they're having fun with in this movie. Yeah. It, it, it's just a blast to go through. And like not all of the comedy works all the time. I wouldn't expect it to. It's half a kid's movie, half not. So like it's making fun of everything whenever as often as possible. And yeah. like may, maybe it hits like a seven out of 10 joke ratio, which is pretty damn good, right? Like when yeah. you're doing 40 jokes a minute, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> I, I just thought it, I, it was so fun to be a part of this world. And I think they, they double down on the musical aspect in a way that I think is really, really good because yeah. we were listening to the soundtrack before this recording. Like, <laughs> the music is great. Like yeah, yeah. the songs are memorable. They're silly. They're fun. They they find good ways of playing with all the different characters. Like I almost wanted to watch the Batman Lego movie because so many jokes about Batman in this mood me made me uh, like crack up in the theater. Yeah. I I think it does a good job of painting the characters in like a believable light there's a through line in this movie much like the first movie that is correlating real life to what is happening in the lego universe that shouldn't be a spoiler because it it comes with the territory now right yeah, like that yeah. is the canon as we've defined it um and even though you can see it coming a mile away i feel like it's a very sweet storyline it got me in the right like heartstring place yeah, i know yeah. we're gonna talk in spoilers i'm sure about it um <laughs> But I, I just, I, I felt so on board for what the movie was putting down. I like, I, I really, really liked it. I feel like it doesn't overstay its welcome. Like movies like this, there's so much going on. I feel like if I had to watch like a two and a half hour version, I would maybe go crazy. It would maybe be too much, <laughs> right? It's like being under like neon lights for too long. Yeah. But this movie just knows like exactly when it has gone too big. And it takes a moment to slow down before just like revving up for a final conclusion. And then even the credits are amazing in this movie. Like, I, I just feel like it's so intricately created. And even when like every minute isn't keeping me completely engaged, I just have to love what the creators are doing because they're playing in a universe. I feel like I'm getting to play in the universe by watching them. And yeah, it, it, it's great. I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a very, very interesting film. Um, I, as I said, I was a little worried going into it that it was going to rehash a lot of things and sort of not live up to what I expected from it. And I think for the most part, it just does an amazing thing again. And I think that what, what's great is it doesn't just take what was there before and then do it again. It sort of builds upon it in a way that um, either amplifies certain emotional beats or certain things, or or does things that are just clever from whether it's the des, uh, designs of characters. Like I think uh, Queen uh, whatever uh, yeah. Wanabi, um, her design is amazing. Like yeah. it's really really cool. And like what you learn about who she is and what what why she has that as who like why her design is like that. It becomes like it's just it's just a clever thing that. Mm -hmm. That you can look at it and be like, oh, that's a weird, silly, like, alien monster. But the context for for why that design was chosen just adds something special. And I think that this film is, like, I, I don't think it was quite as funny as the first one. Mostly because the first one was, it was, like, we didn't know that the first one existed in the real world. Um, mm -hmm. 
So the fact that it referenced things like the Craggle, like the Knife of Exact Zero, right. or like there, there's all these things where it was like, yeah, I can understand why this brick person would think that this thing that we know is a cap would stop this weapon, which is glue, that things are called the Craggle. Like it, it, it was, there, there were such clever things about not 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 being in the Lego universe, but being Legos in our universe, and then. Uh, building upon that and doing things that make you go like shit that's fucking smart yeah. <laughs> right and i think that this this film simply by the nature of that's not novel anymore or that's not a surprise to us anymore it sort of jettisons a lot of that and, and our, when it does reference the real world we know exactly what it's doing right yeah like it isn't yeah, really yeah. playing coy with it anymore well it's even even like i i liked in in because in the trailer, and we keep quoting the line like oh don't want to go anywhere near the sistar system like as soon as the film starts I'm like, oh, Sistar system. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There were things like that where it's not even particularly clever. It's just clever enough to be uh, something that I appreciate. And I think that like it was just it was just such a fun ride that I just really, really appreciated what it was doing. As you said, the music is amazing yeah. in this. Like I, I really, really, really enjoy the songs. Like I I did myself sort of a disservice, which I had listened to the soundtrack before I went to see the film. Um and even seeing those moments in the film, like the context for the, the for the lyrics that I was listening to before, I was just like, oh, "This is fucking great!" Yeah, <laughs> like this is really really cool. Um, it keeps like the heartfelt message at the end of the film. It's a different message, but it's also just as heartfelt. Um, as I said, like the creative use of of Lego um, creations is great, and uh, just the way it plays with who is doing the Lego stuff is really really is really really cool. I do have like some little minor nitpicks about the film, um, one of which Stephen already knows. Um, but so I, one of the things that kind of b- bothered me is in the first film, all of the master builders, they would take pieces from like structures that were falling apart and build things that were really cool. I, it feels like in this film, they are manifesting blocks that don't exist into reality. Mm-hmm. Like, so... There, there's there's the moment where in the first film where Emmett goes into like the weird like astral projection land where all the pieces are clear and bright blue and sort of glowing and uh, Morgan Freeman's there and teaching him how to be the special or whatever and he can make anything he wants in that world because he can just pop, pop into his head any piece that he can think of and in this film those type of pieces those blue clear blocks appear out of nowhere and they have what looks like a number like a designation in the Lego catalog. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he's manifesting Legos out of nowhere to build things. And multiple characters do it. Yeah. And for some reason, that sort of like bugged me in a way. Mm. And I don't, rem- maybe I'm missing a scene in the film where he became so the special that he could just pop any piece out of nowhere. But I really loved the feeling of like, oh, if you want to build something, you have to take the thing that is currently being shot apart and rebuild a new thing from it. Um, that that was really cool and special to me in the other film. And well, the thing is, Amazon Prime exists in this world, and so they're thinking <laughs> about the serial number, and then it just immediately comes. But like, it, it, it just for me, because I appreciated it so much in the first film, having that be a thing felt a little like a negative to me because I it wasn't explained, and it was just it felt less cool than like this car broke. Now I build a, a motorcycle out of the pieces from the car. You know, like that kind of thing was just really really exciting. And when mm-hmm. characters are just manifesting guns out of nothing <laughs> like sure it's fun but like it, it sort of makes me think come like come on i love the idea of repurposing pieces 
and and doing something like that. Um, the the other thing, which I guess we'll probably talk about in spoilers, is uh, I have a little bit of a problem with Rex Danger Vest. Um, you shut your mouth. He is a great character. I love that he's in this film. There are some ramifications for the writing regarding how he exists and how his narrative takes hold in this film that I think break uh, the universe um, or brick the universe, as I said in my article that I wrote about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my closest comparison for that, and we'll of course get into it in uh, spoilers, is 22 Jump Street, another Lord and Miller joint, um, yeah. where it, it is playing with the idea of a sequel and purposely heightening certain things and being like, we're going to go through the tropes you know are going to happen and we're going to be very, very meta about what we're doing. So we'll get into it in spoilers, but I think my answer to everything you're about to say is like, I know and they know and none of us care but you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that like I care about those sort of things. <laughs> yeah. I will say though, his ship is fucking amazing. Sure. His ship is so great. Like from most of the angles you see it, it just looks like a normal spaceship. But then like you get that one angle where you see the thumb and you're like, oh shit, his ship is literally a fist that is just punching shit. It's great. I feel like one thing that is unfair about this universe is like how many amazing voice actors they have access to. I, I guess they must just like, I know Lord Miller didn't direct this movie, but it, it is like infused with their style. And I feel like the people in this movie must be in their circle somehow. Yeah. Like they got access to like Tiffany Haddish. Amazing, amazing, amazing as the queen in this movie. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis shows up. <laughs> For I'm, no reason. I'm, I'm not going to give jokes. a lot of spoiler. Like you really get the sense that people were just like around that day and they were like, hey, hop in. We're going to put you in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, which is could not be true because the painstaking work it takes to animate this movie is like outrageous, right? Like there's yeah, no yeah. way it would happen that way. But I, I, I guess... Well, really, I mean, if you think about it, the character models are not that different from each other. Mm. <laughs> so you could... Yeah, that's you, you could, could totally, swap out the face. Yeah, you could just swap out the head and then, like, the chest piece, and then you have a different character, and then you just do a different joke. Yeah. I, I just feel like half the fun in movies like this is figuring out who the voice actor is for which part. Yeah, like, yeah. There, there was a moment where I was pretty convinced that Robert Pattinson was, like, a voice actor in this movie. <laughs> he wasn't. But it's the kind of movie where he would have been. Like, the, those self-referential jokes, like, they find so many people who are willing to do it on themselves. Yeah. It, it's just really fun. And that that is why it... I don't know if this ought to be considered a kid's movie. And not in the way that, like, Toy Story, you don't know, right? Like, Pixar movies straddle the line. They do both. Yeah. But this movie, like, of those 40 jokes a minute, I feel like... 19 at least are like ones that only adult film fans will get yeah yeah and i don't know if the remaining 21 are even meant for kids or meant for us to feel like kids as we watch it yeah but there are like certain plotting things that if i were not considering it a kids movie i would maybe harp on more like it over explains things in the way the kids movies over explain you know uh, like linguistic gags like Armageddon, everybody got that immediately, yeah, yeah. right? Like, but the movie for all of these things decides later to devote like two minutes to make it very clear what they're talking about. Well, things I mean, like, like that. Like, I assume they're for the kids, right? But, but That's like, my feeling. Sister, 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 <laughs> sister system is vague enough that like it like it almost seems like the joke is that it's a system that is a sisters. Like it, it, it like mm. you like. It works even if there isn't a relationship to a child that is the sibling of. I feel like a boy. Sistar System and Armageddon were like immediately boom. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, but I, but I mean, like in the trailer, I didn't even give two thoughts to what mm-hmm. the def, w- w- like what the Sistar system is. I, I, I never even thought of it. As soon as the movie started, I was like, oh, obviously. Yeah. But like, I, I feel like you could, like, if you just see it written, it looks like because it's SYS, SYS, like it, it, it hides itself enough. But it's our dash mom dash again, you can't get around that. Sci-fi channel did where they just like throwing a Y to hide it. CV. And anyway, I, I just feel like there were so many good gags in this movie, like it, it wouldn't even make sense to try to go through and quote them because it it is literally it's just rapid fire joking. And like, yeah. it, like there were moments where I could see people around me being won over by the movie, like people who maybe someone else dragged them to like like you could just tell that they were there and they didn't know what to expect at first. And yeah. like as the like jokes keep coming one will hook them and they start laughing. And for the rest of the movie, they'll be on board. It's just like a very a good-natured movie. I, I don't know. I, I had a lot of fun with it, even when it gets really dumb and really silly and over-explaining things and over-convoluted. But, but there, there's even jokes that aren't technically funny, but I enjoy, given the context of the scenario. Like, there, there's the part in the trailer where Batman throws his little bat orang at the Duplo thing, and, and it's like, miss me! And he's like, no, you did not! And... Like, that's not that funny of a joke, but in the context of children playing games where they're inventing their powers oh, yeah. and trying to use the power on somebody, and that person saying, like, well, you have laser eyes, but I have laser eye blocking shield, and you're like, no, you don't. Like, it just, it feels like it understands that rivalry between children playing games that are fantasy games, and I, I really just appreciated those type of jokes in the context, even if they weren't funny haha jokes, they were things that I appreciated the attempt to reference a thing that I experienced. (laughs) Like one example of a thing that if I were not considering it a kid's movie would kind of get on my nerves is there's a common joke of like a thing thinking it's really powerful being shot at another thing and then just like bouncing off with nothing happening. Yeah. And you know, that's cute. That's fun. I feel like it happens like 80 times in this movie. And at a certain point for, I I was kind of like, yeah, okay. I get the, I get the joke. I I get it. (laughs) Um, but again, if I'm viewing it as a kid's movie, sure, give the kids those laughs, whatever. You know, it, it's yeah. going to keep working probably. So I'm inclined to cut it slack for that reason. But if I were really reviewing it as like a movie meant for me rather than like peripherally enjoyed by me, I would maybe feel otherwise about it. Yeah. Well, um, do we do you think we've reached the end of our... Uh, we, do you think we're out of pieces for non-spoiler conversations I about this so, film? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, what do you say we get to our verdicts and then close up the episode and then get on into spoilers? I'm ready. All right. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give this film? I'm going with my gut here. I got to give it a must-see. I think for what the movie is doing, for what it had to follow, I feel like it does so good a job of maintaining the spirit of the original without only retreading new ground. Like It, ma- it manages to do something different. It manages to like elevate the characters. I think the emotional undercurrent of this movie, maybe just the time and place in my life. <laughs> I know you're a flow pro man, though, so <laughs> maybe you feel similar. I feel like this got me even better than the original one did in terms of the emotions it was trying to communicate. I think the movie is at its best when it's trying to filter the world through what a child would see the world as while they're playing with things. And I yeah. think like, there's something just so like heartfelt and liberating about that. And it is like Toy Story, right? It's like a lot of these things. But something about the 
the manic craziness of this universe. You get the meta element of like the directors and the uh, visual designers and everyone being in on the same joke. Like everyone is playing with Legos in this yeah. movie. And it, there, there's just something fun about that. Like I don't need more than one every few years. I think it's like, it's like crack. <laughs> like if I had too much of it, I think it would become kind of like overwhelming. But yeah, in, in this, like on this wavelength, I feel like I'm I'm pretty much as happy as I could be. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a great film to watch. I had an amazing time with it. I will also give it a must see. Um, I think that if you, obviously, if you hated the first one, you're not. This is not going to oh, win you no. over. This doubles down. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I don't think it's a perfect film. I, there are a few little things that that they don't even really bug me. It's just like I thought about it. Um, and there's another thing that I didn't write in my post that I'll talk about in spoilers oh, too. Oh shit! Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I I think it's a great film to watch, and I think it's cleverly made, and it's it's yeah, it's a real great time, and yeah, it definitely it definitely got me, uh, just like the first one. Uh, I think I told in that review um, about growing up, always like building Legos with a friend, <laughs> and like I built designs that were like they weren't the coolest looking thing, but they were functional. And he would always be like, oh, it doesn't look aerodynamic. I got to change this. And he would always change my thing. What things. a metaphor for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you like internal consistency? <laughs> and your friend prefers <laughs> dazzling? <laughs> oh, yes. Touche, Stephen. Touche. Um, but anyways, on that note... Um, if people want to find you throughout the week, Stephen, where can they do that? Uh, people can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com where I wrote a little post uh, called Does Rex Danger Vest Brick the Lego Universe? Um, so if you want to hear those thoughts outside of the thoughts that I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, um, you can read that over there. Or you can follow me at twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to the Lego Movie 2 colon the second part. So hopefully you're enjoying that right now. I don't know for sure, but there's a chance the song might get stuck in your head. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that catchy song is going to fade up right now. And when that song fades out, we'll be back and we'll be talking full-blown spoilers. And uh, yeah, we're going to go do that right now. All right, so we are back. This is full-blown spoilers for the Lego Movie 2, colon, the second part. So if you haven't seen the film yet, you, I don't know what's wrong with you. You should go see it. And if you haven't seen the first one and you're listening to this, you're also weird. But <laughs> you should go watch both films and then come back and listen to us talk about this. have you never listened to a podcast about a movie you haven't seen and have no intention of seeing? Uh, if I have no intention of seeing it, yes. But if... If I'm willing to let the host convince me that I should be seeing it, I tend to not like. In fact, I really hate when I know a like a film podcast that I would like I listen to when they review two films in an episode, and I'm like, "Fuck!" 
I want to finish this episode, but I have to stop halfway through, mm. and then freaking Overcast will just like next time, next episode I listen to where I've been like waiting. Suddenly, it's how I sometimes get spoilers for things like uh, the one film on your list about trying to get pregnant. Um, <laughs> private life. Yeah, private life. Like I listened to a full spoiler conversation of that because I was doing the dishes yep. and it rolled over. It was, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> you couldn't just with your like shoulder like tap tap your ears and try to get it to get I, the pause. i'm worried about driving my airpods into the sink mm, yep i'm not crazy i could have also like knuckled or like taken a step back for a second <laughs> but i had my hands were like soapy and mm, wet yeah i don't i don't wash with no suds man <laughs> no suds uh, i don't want no suds <laughs> i was gonna say we should do a podcast only about Le- lego related movies and call it uh little gold men <laughs> Nice. Anyways, so this film we're talking about. Um, yeah, so, so, so first let's talk about uh, the ending of this film. So in, in the first Lego film, um, the film ends with us realizing that um, Lord Business is actually the father of the kid who is imagining everything we've been watching up until then. And the father is the one who owns all the Legos and doesn't like his child to play with them because he believes in order and he believes in following the instructions only and not building things out of your imaginations and essentially not being special. And he comes home, gets super upset, but then looking over the landscape that Finn has created, um, realizes that he is the villain Mm -hmm. (laughs) and his son is sad about that and he has a change of heart and lets him play. So it's this touching thing about like order versus chaos and creativity versus like following the rules and doing what society wants of you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like this the whole, like you can extrapolate the metaphor as far as you want to go, yep. but it's basically being able to be creative on your own and not need to do what you're told. Um, and it was a great message. Um, it was something that I, I really bought into with just the way I used to play with Legos. And, and it was, it was a really touching story that kind of like suddenly went from just being a fun film to being like, Oh shit. This film does a very similar thing, except for now it's two people who are playing the game, and they are warring with each other because the boy, the the older child, wants to play by himself and do his own thing, and the the his sister just wants to play with him mm-hmm. and have a good time, and he thinks that anything she does will be wrecking what he's doing. She wants to wreck the things because he won't play with her, and it's really about this war between between children and what it means to learn to share. And be nice with each other. <laughs> and, and, and now this is where I ask, in your own life, having female siblings, what was the age gap such that you experienced this? Or were you too old by the time your uh, your sisters were around to, uh, so, to so, have that feeling? So I didn't experience this in the same way with my sisters, because the oldest of my youngest sisters is 12 years younger mm-hmm. than I am. And then it goes on from there. Um, however, my brother is three years younger than me. Okay. And growing up, I like to build blanket forts and do things, and my brother would come in and break them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it is a thing that, yeah. like, I, 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 it is a thing that I know of, like, being very, very young and wanting to play things and just build this thing that's creative and have somebody else who is your little brother come in and wreck things. Like, we fought all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And your brother is Wreck It Ralph. We should clarify. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's just it's it, it was 
it was like a thing where I was like, oh, I know that being like the oldest child and wanting to play and have my own sense of order mm-hmm. and like creativity over here and not want to include anybody because I was scared that like my things were going to get ruined. Um, so I, I definitely identified with the memory of growing up and having that experience. Yeah, because I had a similar thing with my sister. She was three years younger than me, which means there was that there's that period of time where like. I don't know, you're like seven and they're four where you're both still cool to play together. Yeah. And then at a certain age, about the age that the kid is in this movie, it stops being cool. Yeah. And you don't want to be playing with your sister anymore. But your sister was still idolizing you all through that age. And she hasn't yet gotten her own things that are independent from yours. And I definitely remember a little bit of cruelty on my part of being the one who like <laughs> didn't want her to play with me anymore. And like, yeah. I was doing my own thing and I would be like mean to the cute things that she was trying to do. And I, so I felt a little bit of emotion as the bad guy of this story yeah, <laughs> from yeah. growing up. Yeah, no, it's, it's a thing that I identified with, but mm-hmm. this film is all about the message of like learning to play together. And um, I mean, ob- obviously our Mamageddon is the mother trying to punish the children for not getting along and having them box up all of the things and throw them in a thing and not be able to play with them at all. Like, that's the classic thing is all your parents are like, oh, you're fighting over the toy. Maybe the toy goes away. <laughs> Some parents smash toys <laughs> as a punishment. This was nice enough to be just like put it in this box and feel sad for yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I it, it was definitely an interesting um, way to kind of round out this destructive force that were shown in the first film which is the duplo blocks coming in and destroying everything and kind of turning it into this thing of like can we learn to play together and i actually really thought it was very touching that like the younger girl knows that the so, so the sister knows that her brother is not accepting of her and that they keep fighting and she just wants to play so her whole goal is to take some of the characters and marry one of them to her princess because in her head if they're married, they can't fight, and mm-hmm. like everything will be right. It, it's such a, it's such a young, innocent idea of of how to solve a problem, which is like, well, if they're together, then you can't fight because we're just together now, and you have to deal with that, right? It, it, I don't know. There's there's something really, just that idea as that sort of evolved. Like you know, we're 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 introduced to the queen with her song about not being evil and yeah. you're like well definitely she's evil like you know you're you're the lucy wild style character going like well duh she's fucking evil as hell this is a crazy alien queen and then as you sort of like realize that no she's just trying to do a truce <laughs> between these two factions so that our mama got getting doesn't happen like I, I just thought it was like a really touching creative well, well that's such a good example to me of the movie becoming like conveying what little kids sound like when they talk about things because like like again that song is played for laughs you for sure are watching it thinking this movie is like telling us she's evil and that's the whole joke that she's so bad at hiding it yeah but then like when you think back on it and you think of like a little sister who's like trying to say something and she's like just using language that she's heard somewhere else i it, it becomes really cute in like a very different way yeah. that I liked a lot. But it's also it's also not cute. It's also sinister because she's not evil, but she is trying to manipulate Batman into loving her, right? Sure. Like he's she's trying to use reverse psychology to force him to be the one that wants to marry her, even though really she's the one that has this plan that like she she doesn't want him for him. She wants him to avoid a war, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like some medieval shit. This is Game of Thrones. <laughs> 
but no, I, I just thought it was it was funny because she is technically being manipulative. What, yeah, yeah, manipulative. What, what a young boy would call evil. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just it, it's it's clever on so many different paths. But I, it, it, it's it's cute and it's enjoyable and it's it's really fun learning where the plot goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved, by the way, everything about. Batman getting his makeover and Batman being made to be jealous of Superman. It was, it was great that like so many of my laughs in this movie came from anything with Will Arnett on screen. I yeah, was, yeah. I was really on board for that. He's good. Um, yeah. So I will touch. So, so we find out, I mean, it's when you watch the trailer, you're and it, or if you go to IMDb, you know that Chris Pratt is playing both, Emmett and Rex Dangervest. And I will say, I could not tell from just the voice. Like, I thought it might be him, but it could have also been... I was, I was trying to place the actor for a long time before I realized that. So I feel like IMDb kind of spoils it a little bit. So, I mean, when I watched the trailer, I assumed that's what was going on. And I didn't assume where it was leading because I, I knew the jokes were about him, so mm-hmm. it, made, it made sense in my head to cast the same guy yeah. to be the character that is making fun of the actor who is playing the first guy's character, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it worked even if they didn't do any sort of twisty logic. But then I started to be like, hmm, maybe he really – like, I started to kind of catch on that, like, maybe he really is him. And I, I was actually thinking for a second that the space girl might end up also being wild style yeah, from I the future. Yeah, I thought about that, too. Um, mostly because she never took off her helmet. Yeah, in a way that and, it would be a reveal when you finally see yeah, her Yeah, and, and, like, Lucy kept saying things that seemed like it, – it was almost like um, – I don't even remember exactly what they were, but there were a few knowing responses that she did that sounded like she understood the character's logic behind something. And I was like, oh, is this going to be like, this is all of them from the future? Um, that's not what it came turned out to be. But Rex Dangervest did, in fact, turn out to be um, Emmett from yeah. the quote-unquote future. And they gave us some clues there, like Emmett using marker to add stubble to his face to make himself look more like Rex later in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so... so before I get to like my actual my deep thoughts about it, I will say the one thing that was kind of silly is so they have a whole this film ends with like the resolve it basically ends with the opposite of the ending to uh, uh, Back to the Future where he then disappears instead of then not disappearing right mm-hmm. <laughs> so he goes like oh shit because you saved him he's never he's not going to turn into me that means I disappear. Wouldn't him punching the comet or the the asteroid in the beginning also accomplish the same goal? Like the second he shows up and punches the asteroid, he should have been like, "Well, you're not going to turn into me." Poof, out of existence. Like he does, but throw, he is going to turn into him. But he technically isn't, because well, at he... that at that point in time, the only reason he's ever going to turn into himself after that moment is because they war and he throws him under the dryer. But. When he was going there, his goal was to get his friends back, not to destroy the temple, which would cause Armageddon. The only reason they fight is because he realizes that he's bad and was trying to convince him to cause Armageddon, which is a plan he came up with after he saved himself. Mm-hmm. Because originally his plan was like, I just don't want to get turned into me. But then when he realized what was going to happen, if he did get turned into him, he was like, oh, well, what if everybody got turned into me? And then they'd suffer like I did. So it's it's like a plan that he comes up with after the fact where he would have disappeared already given that he saved himself 
from becoming himself. The thing with this movie <laughs> and with Back to the Future is it can't decide how multiple timelines work if one person has to be uniform across them, right? Like, the whole idea of multiple versions of you at the same time, anything you do there wouldn't have really happened in any one timeline, right? So that's always, like, a kind of contradictory thing of, like, when do you disappear, right? When does Marty McFly disappear? Because technically, the moment he landed in the past, because he was already going to do this thing that would have made his mom not fall in love with his dad, he already wouldn't exist, so how can he even save himself, right? Like, well, it, like it was, if you do the logical conclusion, there is no way of making it work out. But in the context of Back to the Future, spoilers for Back to the Future, yeah. <laughs> which if you haven't seen... I'm not sorry, nope. um, but you're sorry because Back to the Future is great and you should One, go watch it. One, two, and three are all great. They're, Fight me. It's all great. Best trilogy um, of all time. Probably. <laughs> you guys couldn't see this. I haven't this. seen How to Train Your Dragon 3 yet. So. Um, um, we'll get to that when it comes out. That Learning to Fly song in the trailer. Oh. <laughs> I teared up the so hard. Fly on your own. I went to a wedding where the 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 mother son dance was learning to fly and it carried like so much weight of like him like leaving home I, I tear up <laughs> anyway um, we'll talk about back to the future so back to the future the reason he's not fully disappearing is because the moment that they the moment he was I'll say intellectually conceived of was uh, was when they kiss at the dance mm. so even though the mother is falling for her son from the future. <laughs> <laughs> it never gets not creepy. Um, it's not preventing that kiss from happening, right? So he's starting to fade away or like fall over and stuff because he is getting dangerously close to stopping that from happening. But it can still happen. So in this film, the difference is that he stops the thing from happening. Like he becomes Rex because he crashes into an asteroid and is flung underneath the dry R. Um, I forget like the what I forget the name for what what they call that system, but mm. um, it's the dryer system. The Andy Dryer system. That's a Parks and Rec reference. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but the thing is that so it's different though because there's no. It, it's more like Back to the Future Two, where Marty and contemporary Marty are like coexisting somehow. Yeah, and like in Back to the Future Two, nothing he does can make himself not exist anymore because it's about conception. It's about like, are you even being born? And in this case, like, sure, Rex becomes I mean, Rex he, 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 because he was banished to Under the Dryer, but Rex existed because Emmett existed, and there's nothing threatening. But so, so two problems. The first problem is, in Back to the Future 2, if instead of him climbing through the rafters and then escaping out of the back, he ran out and danced with his mom and kissed her. But then he wouldn't have run into Bruce Willis. <laughs> But no, like, he, he literally could have affected the future because the whole reason that he couldn't be on the dance floor kissing his mom is because he was up on stage playing Johnny Be Good. <laughs> right? What I mean is there's nothing he can do in the past that keeps his other version from having been able to time travel. Like, the way you deal with multiple parallel storylines, like, don't get me wrong, Back to the Future does it better than, like, almost anything except primer (laughs) but but it's still time stories it still isn't logical of how like the one version of you impacts the other version of you in the future like it i I don't know i'm fine with it but doesn't even matter because in this movie i don't think time travel is real there's a quote a very good quote when they're fighting under the dryer 
where Emmett says, are we even real? And Rex shouts, of course not. This is just a metaphor for the loss of imagination that adolescence brings. <laughs> and so I think the, <laughs> the real world thing that happened right there is there was no time travel. Rex became the hypothetical future he could have been. And that version of him, that one side, the devil on Emmett's shoulder, tells the other Emmett, fuck it, we're going to go and break her thing. And that's why they're together through the whole movie. The moment that collision happens, they're together already, and they remain together for the whole movie. So it doesn't matter what the two of them are doing separately. There are two manifestations of the, the son's anger and niceness, not knowing which is going to win as they head toward the Sistar system. Which would be fine and dandy <laughs> if we did not get a flashback during the backstory for Rex Dangervest, where the sister swats the the ship out of his hands, which is a metaphor for the asteroid, which mm-hmm. launches him under the dryer. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, I can't make this stuff up. <laughs> this is... So he can't rebuild the ship? But that's the thing is he could rebuild the ship as himself and then continue on his mission. But he has to like create a dissociative identity for himself who can be the thing that influences him to do a thing. But also... It's Fight Club. He, he, needs, he needs that version of himself to teach him the ability to do the smash thing anyways. So there's just a series of things the where it's smash like... smash was inside him the whole time. <laughs> skadoosh. The smash I, is toxic masculinity. Yeah. But no, it, it was just one of those things where, like, I... I mean, people can read my, my long-ass post mm. where I go into exhaustive detail, spend a long time working on it, and it's easier to do than off the cuff, out of my head. But I, I just think that the time travel mechanic was fun and silly, and I enjoyed it as a thing that was happening, but the mechanics of it don't make sense because there is a real-world analog to everything that is happening. So even if the boy is trying to go out of his way to make up this concept of the thing, he would need extra pieces <laughs> to go do that, right? Like, the the idea of physically manifesting another figure to be him and then lie to himself, like, it, it just... There, there was aspects to it that don't work when you realize, when, when, when you take into consideration that these are two children independently creating a universe which interacts with one another. It... It's a thing that once you've established that in your universe, you have to pay attention to the rules of the children that are governing what happens in the world. And when you go away from that to have a fun story beat, if that fun story beat gives up on like the real world that you've established as governing everything that you're seeing, then it just becomes a thing where I go like, mm, you forgot about this. Mm-hmm. And I just, to, to me, it, it didn't take me out of it. Like literally I thought of this, while I was taking a shower the morning after I saw this film, mm-hmm. and I woke up, I'm like, I'm going to spend half my Saturday writing why this doesn't make sense. You made the right choice. <laughs> so my my only answer to that, if I want to play this game... <laughs> <laughs> Which, let's be honest, you don't. Oh, no, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Is that Rex... The only time we see time travel happen at all is in Rex's account of his own life, Yeah, right? And we don't know in general that flashbacks are canonical things that happen in the Lego universe. Like, I don't think that's been established. I don't think Rex actually went back to dinosaurs. You know, (laughs) I don't think Lego dinosaur (laughs) times existed in the kids, um, you know, in the kids basement. So I don't know, man, he took apart a DeLorean, a TARDIS in a phone booth. Sure. Yeah. So if, if Rex's memory 
is not an accurate like conception of how the world works. The only thing you have to clarify is where did this Rex come from? And I would say Rex is the one character that doesn't really exist. He is a dis- dissociative part of Emmett's character. We do see him interact with the real world a little bit, but very little, mostly just in their own fighting under the dryer. Yeah. So I think you could imagine the ship is swatted down. It breaks. Emmett gets recovered. He puts the ship back together. They head forward toward the Sistar system with this newfound anger that uh, that Rex brings. The Rex inside of him is furious now and wants to smash something of hers in return. And all the talk of like time travel is just like uh, Emmett's way of justifying how what the character of Rex represents. And it didn't really happen. He just watched too many TV shows about time travel. <laughs> but see, like that's my my only basically the the thing that doesn't allow me to accept that is because part of the narrative is told by the sister. So mm-hmm. this isn't if if everything was just in Finn's head instead of partially in Bianca's head, it would I would go like okay he's inventing an asteroid field, and he is now inventing a future version of his analog so that he can get through the asteroid field. But the problem is he decides that her swinging at his ship is an asteroid that he can't avoid. And then he is reimagining not being hit by the asteroid, which he can't possibly be hit by because the sister is gone. Mm -hmm. So I think that, especially given the fact that there's this running joke about his house slash ship being destroyed and having to be rebuilt in the series, that, and also because we don't really see Legos dying unless they go somewhere that they cannot be recovered from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that an asteroid can't kill Emmett, it can just knock him out of space in his ship and send him somewhere. He could always just pick up the pieces and rebuild a ship that has like an armor on the front, right? That that can protect him from asteroids. Like there's no, it doesn't make sense why he would not do the logical thing, which is rebuild and fly off and try to rescue his friends and instead <laughs> create a dissociative identity with a crazy other ship, which he has to build from pieces of other ships. It, it, it just seems like a weird thing. Like, I don't know how old Finn is supposed to be, but I refuse to believe he's intelligent enough or self-aware enough to create a version of himself that can do the thing that he really wants to do, but he can't do because he's too nice and he's Emmett. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's like a metaphor man. <laughs> I think Radiohead put it best when they said, I don't have a Radiohead quote. Nailed it. I don't know. It it, it, it was having so much fun with it. it. Like, it felt like one of those things where it was, it was kind of like in, like, in Bill and Ted 2, um, in Bogus Journey. Where they have to build good robot asses. Or maybe it's one. Is it the end of one where, like, they play with the idea of, like, planting things in the future in yeah, a way yeah. that, like, stops making any sense? Oh, are you talking about the thing where they're like, well, once we get out of jail, we'll just put the key over here so that way we'll have it so mm-hmm. we need it later? Is that what you're Well, yeah, about? but, but there's, a, there's a confrontation at some point where they're like, we knew you were going to put that there, and then we went back and did this instead. And, and like it kind of heightens and heightens. Yeah. I feel like this movie is doing that, right? It's like playing with the idea, and it's saying like, we're just going to like heighten and heighten and heighten it. And like the reality is not, there's not going to be bearing on reality. Like the rest can still be real. And this is going to be our goofy time travel joke. And I'm conceptually happy with that. And it, it, it was funny. It, like, I, I enjoyed it in the context of the film. 
And I'm not I'm not truly complaining about it. I'm just saying that a film that is this smart seems to have missed something. <laughs> For people only listening, Chris is crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, the Lego Movie Two colon the second part is a great film, and people should go see it. Mm. Second, did you cry during it at all? Um, I, I want to know if Brooklyn Prince made you cry twice. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember fully tearing up. I remember like being like, "Oh, this is sweet," mm. but cool. <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon Three? Oh, there's definitely some some mistiness in that. Oh yeah, and I'm not just talking about the waterfalls that lead to the Dragon Kingdom. <laughs> mm. uh, but anyways, any last thoughts, Stephen? Nope. <laughs> All right, we'll save the rest of our thoughts for uh, Alita Battle Angel and uh, the other one that we're going to review, too, next week. Yep, Happy Death Day, too. Happy Death Day, too. Yes, Steven's finally going to watch Happy Death Day. I will watch the original tonight if Joanna's asleep when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely is it to scare me at all? It, it's not It's not that type okay. of film. It's not. It's not a horror film. It is a, like... It's a person who is coming after her and repeatedly mm. killing her. Okay. Um, so it's it's just I'm fine it, with that. It, it, I, I fall asleep to that shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a it's a theoretically traditional slasher film, but with this fun Groundhog Day element to it. Mm. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> well, we will see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs> Should just